Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, good morning and welcome to Passion Life Church this morning. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, today we conclude this amazing series that we've called Hope and Future. You know, we've just been talking about how God has a future for you. Anybody believe that this morning? God has a future for you. Well, hey, Pastor Phil, what is that future going to be like? Well, I got to tell you, those of us that believe on the Lord, the Bible says that that future future is going to be filled with hope. You know, the Bible says that when we put our trust in him, there's hope and there's hope for the future. And this is one of my favorite verses in Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. It may be even a, a popular verse that maybe some of us would have on our uh, refrigerator. But before we read that, because it's been the theme verse of this particular series, uh, I want to give you some context because Jeremiah here is a prophet. He's speaking for God to some people. And when, it's, when you read this, it's easy to think that he's speaking to people who have it all together. That he's, thinking, he's thinking to people that, that, man, they're on the right path. Actually, this verse was dedicated to God's children who had made some mistakes and has anybody ever made some mistakes? You don't have to raise your hand, but have you made mistakes? I have made mistakes. You know, this was directed towards people who were worshiping other gods. His people were actually in Babylon, exiled because of their own decisions. They were in a season of life that they did not want to be in. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there. And yet, God uses Jeremiah to speak these words, not just to his people, people back then, but even to his people today. And if you're here and maybe this is your first church experience and maybe you don't know if you're following God, man, you know what happens when you start to believe on the Lord, you can have a hope and a future. And that's what Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know, how many of you know, God knows the thoughts that he has towards you for, I know the thoughts that I have towards you says the Lord thoughts of peace, thoughts not of evil. Well, Pastor Phil, I, I think God's going to whack me. God's not going to whack you. They're not of evil. They are to give you, would you say that with me? A future and a what? Hope. A hope. In actuality, that word hope means expectancy. I'm supposed to have a great expectancy of what God has for my future. And you know what? Jeremiah is letting us know that hope and future go together. A lot of times when we don't see future, when we don't have a vision of the future, our hope can be diminished. And today, if you feel like, man, I have no hope, I would tell you it's probably because you think the future is looking dim. But I got good news for you. God has a future and a plan for your life. Despite the decisions that you have made, you can get back on to the plan and purpose of God. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to encourage us because we've talked about purpose. God has a purpose for you. It's not just a Christian cliche. It's actually a truth. And God really wants you to live the life that he has for you. And it's a great life. He has things that he wants you to do. He wants something for all of us to become. He wants us someplace for all of us to go. 
And you know, many of us, even in this room today, we have desires in our heart. You know, uh, God has placed something in your life to do. He has things that he wants you to accomplish and, and, and do for his glory. And today, I've entitled today, No More Excuses. Let me say that again. No more excuses. We need to put aside our excuses and start doing what God has called us to do. You know, in this series, we've looked at stuff that Jeremiah has said and his prophecies, but we've also haven't really looked at Jeremiah himself. And do you know this great prophet who has a book, right, that is written about him, did you know that he had excuses as well? When God had called him, Jeremiah had excuses. And here's what I want us to learn today is that God had an answer for every one of Jeremiah's excuses. And let me encourage you, for every excuse that you have, God has an answer for your excuse. And so what's interesting is that turn over to Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 in your Bibles if you brought your Bibles. You know, it's funny. I heard about a guy. Uh, he called his boss up and he said, you know what? I'm, going, I'm not going to make it to work today because uh, there's something wrong with my eyes. There's just something wrong with my eyes. And you know what? His boss said, what's wrong with your eyes? He said, I just can't see myself working today. That's what he said. That's what's wrong with, with my eyes. And you know, I think that's one of the reasons why we don't step into the will of God for our life. Because sometimes we just can't see ourselves succeeding in that way. A lot of times we can't see ourselves free from addiction. A lot of times we can't see even ourselves married. Or for those of us that are married, we can't see ourselves having a happy marriage. Or maybe even seeing ourselves succeeding at work. Or for maybe some of us, we can't see ourselves not having financial challenges. You know, and but God has more for us and we have to begin to see that. But, you know, what? we're going to have to put our excuses aside and let's look at what God told Jeremiah about what he was to do in Jeremiah chapter one, verse four. It says, then the Lord of then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So God was telling Jeremiah, before you even knew you, I knew you. Before your grandparents flirted together, right? Before your parents went on a date, I already had you in mind before I formed the world. I knew you. That word also means plans in Hebrew. I had a plan. Even when you didn't have a plan, I have a plan. Here's what I do. I, this is what, this is what I did. I sanctified you. In other words, I separated you and I ordained you. In other words, I appointed you for something, a purpose that you are supposed to do even before you were born. Aren't you glad we have a God who's organized and not unorganized, that he has a plan. And so today, if you don't know the plan, I just want to encourage you, he still knows the plan. And see, God has placed something on all of our hearts to do. He has. And if you're like me, you kind of go, well, you know, God, is this, is this really me? Is this, is this me or is this you? Or, you know, and I think one of the things that we have to understand is that God puts desires in your heart to stir you up. 
to get you excited. He gives you the desires of your heart. You know why? Because they're really his desires that he's already put inside of you. And so here we are going, oh, I got this desire to help people. Can I just tell you, doing something for others is not a natural thing. That's a godly desire. Helping people, ministering to people, doing something outside of the norm. But you know what? One of the ways you know that your vision and your desire is from God is that I like to say it this way. It's sticky. You can't get away from it. You actually keep thinking about it. You keep thinking about it. It doesn't let you go. You can walk away from it, but you know what? The dream just keeps coming back. I heard a pastor say, man, if you have a dream that lasts five years, it's from God because it's not going to let you go. It's going to keep holding on to you. And I remember when we moved from El Paso, Texas, almost five years ago now, our church is four years I was at a youth pastor. Man, God was doing great things. There was like over 700 kids in our youth ministry. Man, I was getting paid well. We had a great house. And all of a sudden, we had a desire to do something different. And I was like, oh, listen, I don't go by my feelings. Sometimes we start feeling stuff, and we automatically think that's God. You know, sometimes we need to let things uh, uh, um, past the test of time. And I just didn't say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. But you know what? That thing kept pulling on me. And it's time. It's time to move. There's a desire. It's time to minister to adults. And I was like, God, I don't want to minister to adults. They're all so serious. I like young people. They laugh. They don't look at me like they're about to kill me. Lord, I, you really are calling me to minister to adults? They have so many barriers in their mind. And you just tell them, just believe. No, I can't believe. Because when I was four years old, come on. But Lord, you're calling me. And you know, one of the things I knew is that if he called me, he would empower me for the purpose that he has for my life. But when you have a desire from your heart, in your heart for God, it's not going to move. And it's going to keep going. And you can reject it. You can sweep it under the carpet. But guess what? It's going to come back. But God will give you a clear vision of what he wants you to do. But here's the key. You have to do your part. You have to step out and do your part. And this is how God's plan unfolds. It always takes faith. You have to take your step. But you know what? Sometimes instead of taking that step of faith, here's what we do. We come up with all these excuses. And so today, I just want to kind of go over four excuses that we have. And I think we could look at them and find them in Jeremiah's life. You're going to look at Jeremiah says it. He's got an excuse. And then we're going to look at God's response to his excuses. Let me tell you a little secret. God will respond to your excuses. Because his purpose is so important for your life. And this is what is challenging because he will not leave you alone. God will stalk you. He will continue to bring the dream and continue to bring the dream until all of a sudden you say, I surrender God. I remember when I was 19 years old, I had to surrender my life to the Lord. And it really made me upset because I used to tell God, I used to speak to God. I was like, I don't believe in you. And this is funny. Listen to this. I'm just talking to a God I don't believe in. I don't believe you. And you know what? He would speak to me and say, that's okay. I still believe in you. And that would make me mad. And listen, I'm not going to serve you. I quit. And he would say, 
that's okay, because you know what? I'm not quitting on you. And that made me mad because he was responding to my excuses. Oh, I don't love you. That's okay. I still love you unconditionally. That means even when you don't love me, I still love you. And you know what? Eventually you just get tired and you say, all right, God. And that was the pivotal moment in my life when I said, God, here I am. And my life changed. Let's go through four basic excuses. And I think you can relate to these. And I think that Jeremiah can relate to these as well. Here's the first one when God is calling you to do something. Is I'm just inadequate. God, I'm just inadequate. I'm just not good enough. Look at Jeremiah's response to God. Because right, God tells him, look, before I knew you, uh, before... um, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And here's Jeremiah's response in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 6. He says this. Then I said, look at this. Oh, Lord, behold. I like that. He's speaking King James back to God. Because we think God speaks King James to us. So that's why our prayer language when we talk. We don't usually talk King James until we talk, oh, Lord. Like, where, where did that come from? Like, you think you're, like, relating to God? Like, awesome. You know, he will understand if you say, oh, Lord. You don't have to put the T-H in there to make it spiritual. Oh, Lordeth, right? And I love Jeremiah's response. Oh, Lord God. Look at this. Behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. Granted, Jeremiah is saying he can't speak to God, but he's speaking to God. Okay, listen, because these excuses are pretty funny. So God, you want me to be a prophet. God, you don't understand. I am not good at talking. And in order to be a prophet, God, I think you want me to use my voice. But I'm not good at talking. By the way, I'm not the right age. Now, who says at age 30, you can become a prophet? Who says at age 55, that's when you can be a prophet. Who says that? But see, he comes to this place where he starts to say, look, I'm just inadequate. Now, here's God's response to his excuse. Verse 7, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth. For you shall go to all whom I have sent you, and whomever I command you to, you shall speak. In other words, God was saying, listen, Jeremiah, this isn't about you being an eloquent speaker. This is about you speaking what I have placed in your heart to speak. It's not about how eloquent you are. The Apostle Paul says, I wasn't even an eloquent speaker. He says, but I came with the power of God. You know what? People fell asleep when Paul was preaching. A young man fell out of a window and died because Paul was preaching so long he fell asleep. But how many of you know Paul went downstairs and prayed for him and raised him from the dead? That's power. So it's not about how eloquent and how perfect you are. It's about doing what God has called us to do. And this isn't about that. See, and here's what I've understand. I want us to understand this morning is God always equips who he calls. And when he calls you, he will equip you. God always empowers you for your 
purpose. And I like to say this as a little disclaimer. Please do not compare yourself to me. I've had people say, I don't know how you stand up there on the stage and do what you do. And Listen, I'm empowered to do it. That's all I can tell you to do. But my purpose is not necessarily your purpose. God empowers you for your purpose. Come on, somebody, this morning. God not only gives you the car, he gives you the gas to go in the car. And here's when we think about these plans. Listen, don't make plans on how you think you are. Make plans on how you think God is. Make plans on how you think and how big he is. Not on this how you think about yourself. And God tells Jeremiah, listen, I don't even want you to say that you're a youth. In other words, let me say it this way. Stop talking about your age. It's amazing how people can convince themselves, oh, I'm old. You're old? You're 52. That's not old. How many of you know 52 is the new 22? Come on, somebody. Right? But here's what we do. We believe these things in our mind. How do you feel? Uh, You know, I just think, well, if you think you're old, you're going to act old. The Bible says, as a person thinks in his heart, so is he. Right? That's why you can be old and be young at heart. And I don't even know what old means. My grandmother is 90 years old, man, and she trucks along. Come on, somebody. She goes from her bed, walks around, dances a little bit at 90 years old. So when you tell me you're old, I'm going to rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I'll have my grandmother, who's 90, pray for you. But here's really what God was saying to Jeremiah. Stop talking about your inadequacies. Stop talking about how you can't. Stop speaking your inadequacies over your life. Listen, and speak my word over your life. Speak what I command over your life. And I wonder how much of our talk is about our inadequacies. And I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't, you know, and this can't. Or how much of our talk is about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not on my own, but you know what? Through Christ, who strengthens me, I can. And here's what I think is interesting, is we talk to an unlimited God about our limitations. Jeremiah is saying, I, you don't know this, God, but I'm not a good speaker. And he's telling the one who made his own mouth that he's not a good speaker. I love when people argue with God, because I always say, you're arguing with the person who gave you the ability to argue in the first place. Is that too deep today? You're arguing with God when he gave you the ability to argue anyway. So when you think about it, but you know what? Your self-talk matters. How you talk to yourself, what you say to yourself, what you talk yourself out of, what you talk yourself into. And you know what you're telling yourself is more important than what other people are saying over you. Because what you believe about yourself, it's very, very critical. Because do you know that what you believe about yourself is even more important than what God believes about you? Because God believes you're a conqueror. God believes you're a winner. God believes you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. God believes, Jeremiah, you are a prophet. And Jeremiah's like, "Uh uh-uh. And you know what I have found? When you limit God, you're also limiting yourself. Because I could tell you all day about what God thinks about you, but at the end of the day, when you walk out the door, it's what you think about you is you're going to act according to what you think about you. 
That's why we have to renew our mind and we have to look and get our mind changed and renewed to say, you know what? I am adequate. I can do what God is calling me to do. Here's another excuse. Well, Pastor Phil, I'm just going to look dumb. I'm just going to look dumb. That's fear. If I do what God is putting in my heart, if I say, and I'm not talking about, listen, I'm not talking about going to a third world country to do something for God. And if that's in your heart, great, do it. I'm talking about sometimes he puts on your heart to talk to your neighbor. And you're like, ooh. I'm talking about you're at the store and God's opened up an opportunity for you to love somebody, speak something. Well, I'm just, I'm just going to look dumb. And Jeremiah's like, man, past, you know, God, people are, are going to call me out for my age. And what if they don't want to hear what I have to say? Look at what God says in, in verse eight. He says this, do not be afraid of their faces for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Now let me help us today. You were never meant to fit in. Never. God created us all unique. I love this scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. You are special to God and you are special even to other people in your life. And I think one of the biggest compromises we make in life is we compromise you. When you compromise you, you're compromising the plan that God put in your life. You're compromising your purpose because we feel like we're not good enough. We feel like, oh, people are going to think certain things. But he says his own. He calls you to be his own, a special people you may, that you may proclaim the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. So not only has God saved you, but he's called you by name out of darkness into his marvelous life. So here's the question. The question is, do you want to fit in? Or do you want to be boxed in? Because oftentimes fitting in means being boxed in as well. I never have heard of someone who is average being great or famous. LeBron James is not great because he's average. LeBron James is amazing because he's different and he's special and he chooses to do different things. And you know what? You are different. You are, but here's what we try to do. We try to fit in. And the truth is, honestly, leaders don't fit in. You know why we don't fit in? Because we think differently. You and I have a God perspective. People are talking about how they are sick. Well, what comes to my mind? God can heal you. That's a different thought process. Hey, you know what? I can't make it. No, you can do all things to Christ to, uh, to strengthen you. You know what? That's thinking different. I think and I want to see what God sees. I think different. You know what? Leaders talk different. At least they should. Leaders should talk about possibilities. Can I just tell you, it's not a spiritual gift to point out problems. You don't have to be spiritual to point out people's negatives. It's not discernment. It's called being nosy in Jesus' name, if. It's called being nosy if. All up in that person's business and calling it discernment. No, you nosy. I love when we spiritualize those things. That's, that's, that's not 
a gift. But you know what? We should be talking differently. We should be talking possibilities, not just problems. Listen, it doesn't take anybody to be different to talk negative and talk about the problems. Well, Pastor Phil, we have to acknowledge the problems. I don't really think we need to acknowledge a lot because everybody knows there's problems. And my challenge is if we're going to keep talking about the problems, the person who's talking about the solution is going to be the leader and have influence to make a change. And that should be the body of Christ and the people of God. We are the light of the world. We are not to blend in with the darkness. Thank you for that golf clap. I appreciate it. And I think not only do leaders think different, they talk different because we see things different. We see potential in people. And one of the biggest traps we can find ourselves falling into is being worried about, oh, what do people think about me? And here's what I found. The fear of God is the best antidote against the fear of man. See, reality for me, when I say the fear of God is the antidote for the fear of man, I'm talking about I respect and value God's opinion more than I do men's opinion. And I'm going to tell you why. You know, it's funny because we do things to impress people who don't even really care about us. And we hold them up and tomorrow they won't even be there. And we try to get their opinion and their opinion sets our value. Can I just tell you, if you live like that, you're going to live up and down and up and down. Because people's minds are changing. People are inconsistent. But God's opinion towards you has not changed. He has known you before he even created you. And he set his value on you. And you know what? You are worth one Jesus. He sent his son to die on the cross because he valued you. And so his opinion needs to be the best opinion in our lives. That's got to be the best. You know, I love what God told Jeremiah. He said, don't look at people's faces. You know, in my early days of public speaking, and when I teach public speaking, um, I wish today that you could see what I see from up here on the stage. Because some people think that I don't see. Some people want to go deeper and are digging for gold. I see it, right? In years of ministry, I see a lot of stuff. I see people resting in the Lord. And it's funny when they start to snore. And their butt, you know... I, I, I see it all, right? I, I see the skeptical ones. Like even now, like, should I even laugh in church? I don't know. And the whole time I'm like, you got to like readjust your face. It's going to stay like that. Like, just relax. It's cool. We are going to let you go at some point. Just, it's, it's cool. And then I love my favorites are the puppy dogs. They're expecting. <laughs> Give me something else. I'm going to tell you something a little bit more deeper, but you don't know this, but a lot of it, you determine how good I speak and what you get out of this because your expectancy stirs the gift inside of me. And the more expectant you are, the more my gift flows. That's why sometimes this happened last week. I was preaching and I said some stuff that wasn't even my notes, just the Holy Spirit said some things through me. Now, let me just help some of us who have different church backgrounds. 
Well, I like prophecy in church. I'm prophesying over you every single week. But just because I'm not bringing you up on stage and say, oh, thus saith the Lord. Right? Last week said some stuff. Wasn't in my notes. I know when the Holy Spirit's speaking to me and through me. Right? And it just so happened it was right for a person. It wasn't in my notes. I didn't plan on saying it. But you know what? The Holy Spirit moved me in that direction. You know why? Because those people had expectancy. That's why even sometimes I gravitate. You think I'm just walking around here, but sometimes I feel a pull from people that are pulling on what we're saying and pulling the word of God. And I want more and I'm hungry. And you know what? Sometimes I'll stay in a moment like this because people are pulling because you know what? The word of God is ministering to them and their heart is hungry and it's good ground. And they are that puppy dog. Like, But if you come in here and go like this, listen, I feel sorry for you because you get nothing because you expected nothing. And you can say all you want about the preacher, but the reality of it is this word is good and this word is uh, unchanging. But you know what? This word will not go in your heart if your heart is hard. But if you have good ground, the seed falls on everyone. But it det- you determine what happens with this seed today. And I would just encourage you when you come in, come in with an open heart and be that puppy dog and say, come on, Lord, speak to me today. Come on, speak the answer. Speak wisdom, God. I need to hear from you today. Come on, somebody. And so your expectancy can stir me up to say things. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will move. That's why faith, faith is the breeding ground of miracles and expectancy. When you start to expect, that's why a lot of times, you know what? You determine what goes on in this service because of your heart and your hunger. And if you leave the same, can I just tell you in all love, that's you. Because the Holy Spirit is here today to do miracles and minister to your heart. Do you believe that this morning? And listen, God was saying, this is really what he was saying to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, don't look at their faces. In other words, listen, don't get your validation from people because you are going to say some things, Jeremiah, and there are going to be people who are going to look at you and they are going to be mad. I don't know if you've ever felt it. As soon as you start to talk about Jesus, you can say God, you can say this. But as soon as you bring that powerful name of Jesus into the conversation, you can watch people's faces. And let me just tell you, they need to hear it even if their faces don't show it. In Jeremiah, you're going to look. And sometimes you're not going to see the, oh, give me, I'm expecting. But you need to speak it. Anyway, because people don't validate you, I validate you. I'm the one that appointed you and sanctified you before you were born. Come on, somebody. And I think it's something we need to understand. There will always be people that won't like you. Let me say that again. There will always be people that don't like you. That's Jesus. He was perfect and he was crucified by his own. So just when you think you got haters, they're drinking the haterade. Listen, Jesus had them too. Jesus had them too. Ask Jesus. He was good. How many of you think Jesus was a good speaker? He was a great speaker. But you will always have people that don't believe in you. And you will always have people that do. And can I just encourage you? Hang out with the ones that do. 
hang out with the ones that do. I'm going to look dumb. It's not about how you look. It's about him. And it's about him calling you to do something great. Here's the third excuse. Are you enjoying this this morning? Here's another excuse. Well, Pastor Phil, it just won't work. It won't work. Can I ask you another question? What if it does? You got about a 50-50 chance. But let me tell you this, with God on your side, who can be against you? And look, look at God's response to Jeremiah in, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9. He says this, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day. Everybody say that with me. Say this day. I have this day set over you the nations. I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. God was going to do all of this through Jeremiah, this young man. And you know what God was saying to Jeremiah? Listen, Jeremiah, in the critical moments of your life, when you can't help yourself, I will be there to help you. And I love this. God touched his mouth. And let me just tell you, all of you have the touch of God on your life to do something great. That's how he is. And all of you have God's touch because he empowers you. For me, it just happens to be public speaking and great. But you know what? For you, you have the touch of God on your life to do business. Come on, somebody. Don't underestimate that. Some of you have the touch of God on your life to do hospitality and serve and do missions. But listen, so what do we do? We do what we can do, and then God will do only what God can do. And this is what I think some people don't understand. Anything that we do for God, it takes faith. In Psalms 81, the the psalmist says this in verse 10. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Watch this. Open your mouth wide, and God says, I will fill it. Now, which part of this is our part? Our part is the opening my mouth. God's part is he fills it. God doesn't open your mouth. You have to do that. But here's, when I open my mouth and I do what I can do, then God does what only he can do. Come on, somebody. Amen. Right? Now, that, that, that's just amazing. It, it, it's amazing. And I love that because you know what? That means God puts his super on your natural. Some people are just waiting for supernatural. They forget the natural and they're, con- and they're concentrating on the super. Oh, God's not doing anything in my life. God's not moving. Guess what? God is moving. You're not moving. Because God is moving. Heaven is waiting on earth. God is waiting for you to move at, the, at your job. I just wish God would work or, you know, and move in my life. <laughs> he puts you there. Because he wants to work through you. He wants your life to be a testimony out in the world of who he is. But you know what? You're going to have to open up your mouth and he will fill it. So listen, that doesn't mean that we don't prepare. We don't ask God to bless lazy. I know I wouldn't get an amen on that one. 
right? We don't ask God to bless our laziness, right? God just, I don't want to do anything. No, you do what you can, and then God will do what he can. Well, Pastor Phil, I, you know, I just, I just don't have time. Really? You don't have time? And so let me ask you this question. What substitute activities are keeping you from the best activities? You know everything that's going on in Kim Kardashian's marriage because you're keeping up with the Kardashians, but you don't have time to do what God has called you to do. Oh, Pastor Phil, I don't have time to redo my house. Okay, but meanwhile, you've watched Chip and Joanna Gaines on HGTV Fixer Upper redo a hundred homes, but you don't have time to do your house. Maybe when I said that, I should have looked this way because some people always think I'm looking at them. <laughs> the truth is, we do have time, but we keep finding substitute activities that make us happy in the short term and make us miserable in the long run. And you know what? God is waiting on you to do your part. And here's what happens. You have to take the natural step. You know, like when you go to the grocery store, you know what happens when I go to Albertsons? That door does not open till I take a step towards it. And when I take a step towards it, something supernatural happens. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's faith. The Next step is not revealed and the door is not open until you take the step. And when you take the natural step, God opens the door that he already had planned for your life. And ladies and gentlemen, that's how the plan of God is revealed in your life. New Kids on the Block said it best, step by step. <laughs> Ooh, baby, gonna get to you, girl. Step by step. Right? I take the step. Move to California first. Oh, you're going to start a big church? Yeah, we got to move first. Unload the trailer, right? Get a place to live. Then find people. And then do this. And as that, the doors are opening. And you know how we met you today? We met you today by taking small steps every day. And God opened the door. And as he opens doors in your life, he's revealing the plan that he has for you. And that plan goes along with your purpose today. But you know what? You have to do the natural. And this is how God works. He works in steps. Sometimes we're not entering into what God has for us because it's not God that's waiting on us. I mean, it's not us waiting on God. He's waiting on you to take that step. And here's the last one for today. I think this is good practical stuff that we all need to hear today. Here's the last excuse. Pastor Phil, well, I'm just not as good as other people. That's what we call the comparison game. When Jeremiah said he was too young, who was he comparing himself to? Like Moses? Like, I mean, what age do you have to be to be effectively used by God? Ask David. He killed a giant in his teenage years. It was one of the greatest military victories of all time that people are still talking about. And he was about 15 years old. What age is appropriate? 
You know what age? At the age that you are willing to be available to do what God has called you to do. And I would encourage you to start right now. Start taking those steps. But you know what? When you start to compare yourself, you can write this down. When you start to compare yourself with other people, you will always be depressed. Well, so-and-so got married when they were this age, and I'm this age. Oh, please, chill. God has a specific plan for you. Do you ever think that maybe God has something better for you? That you don't want just this microwave man? You want God to put him in the oven a little bit? And let him cook? Get all his insecurities out? Come on, somebody. Let him have a job? Come on. It's in the Bible. Job, right? That book of Job? It's in there. It's in there. Right? You don't want this microwave. You want, come on. Let God, and, and how about this one? Let God work in you, too. So Mrs. Wright meets Mr. Wright. And Mr. Wright isn't waiting on Mrs. Wright to get right. So that's what we do. But when we compare ourselves, and you're always going to be depressed. Always. You can always find somebody who's better than you, or at least you think is doing better to you. My wife listens to Joyce Meyer, and uh, I love Joyce Meyer. And I was listening to her the other day. I was like, man, she's such a great preacher. That's it. I quit. <laughs> and then I had to remind myself something about Joyce Meyer. She's a female. I am not. And no matter how hard I stand up here and try to be like Joyce Myers, ladies and gentlemen, I will never be like Joyce Meyer. She is a female. I am a full-blooded male. I promise. <laughs> but you know what? She's got an amazing ministry reaching millions of people. Sometimes we have guest speakers here, and I just go, I don't even want to preach next week. Man, they were just so great. But you know what? Here's what we do. When we compare our purpose to other people's purposes, we will get depressed. And we will say, you know what? I'm just not as good as other people. And can I just encourage you? God never meant for you to be. He meant for you to be you. God in this world needs you to be the person God has called you to be. Oh, Pastor Phil, I'm just not like... You know, I'm just not the head engineer at the office. Oh, but you're an engineer. That's pretty good. Pastor Phil, I'm just not LeBron James. You know, no, but you're in the NBA. Most people will never get there. We'll never get there, you know? But we always compare in ourselves to people and others. And I think that's funny because I think that's why we, you know, when we're on the beach and we take our selfie, we put the phone 50 feet above us, right? Because we want to look thin. This is the best angle, right? You never want to take a picture like this. Right? So we're like this. Take a picture of me, right? We take about 70, right, to just make sure. Check it, 70. And then run it through about 10 filters. And then we'll post it on Instagram. And this is what we'll say. A casual day at the beach. No casual day at the beach. You took 45 minutes getting that picture. Come on, somebody. Come on. Don't say amen because I'm talking about you. <laughs> I'm just having a little fun with you today. But when it comes to comparison, can I just encourage you? Those people that we try to compare ourselves to, they don't have it as good as you think they do. And you don't have it as bad as you think you do. 
oh, Phil, I just, you know, in the magazine, she just looks so great. Yeah, she's been photoshopped. Oh, they're making millions, and look at them on the red carpet, and they're holding hands, and oh, my gosh, it's picture perfect. And four months later, they're divorced. And here's how we judge ourselves. Can I encourage you this morning? Don't compare yourself to anybody but what God has you to do. Compare yourself to you and your own potential. And if I were to ask you this morning, what is one of the biggest frustrations of your life? Here it is, because I feel it too. You know in your heart you can do more. And can I just say, when you compare yourself to others, sometimes you're comparing yourself to the least. Well, at least I don't do that. Well, at least, you know what? That has nothing to do with your potential. And today I came to stir up potential and purpose in your life. But you got to stop looking at what's around you and what your neighbors have and what your neighbors don't have. And look at the size of God and the size of the plan and the purpose that he has for you. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. And today as we close, let me tell you this. God has a plan for you. God has a plan individually for you. For you, for you, there's a purpose for your life. And God still has a plan, but here's what we have to do. We have to respond to it. And we have to say, God, what you've called me to do, what you've put in my heart to do, I want to start doing. One step at a time. You know, as we close say, listen to what God tells Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 14. God tells him about when he speaks. Listen to this. God says, Jeremiah, when you speak, I will make my words in your mouth like fire. Whoa. And those people, wood, it consumes. So God says, here you are being insecure about speaking. If you'll just open up your mouth, I'll fill it with words. And those words will be like fire and consume people. My church family, that is God putting his super on your natural. He's putting his super on your natural. And can I just say that God empowers us to fulfill our purpose, but he also, let me read it like I put it in my notes. God gives us power to fulfill our purpose, and in God's purpose, we experience his power. Let me say that again. God gives us power to fulfill our purpose, and in God's purpose, we experience his power. God had a plan for Jeremiah and he would empower him to do that plan. When Jeremiah opened up his mouth, Jeremiah experienced the power that God had for him. And even today, my church family, Jeremiah in his life is speaking to us. And Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 29, 11, would you just put that scripture up there again for everybody to see it? Jeremiah 29, 11, Jeremiah says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. He's speaking God's word over our lives. He says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future, to give you a hope. Here's a man who had excuses. But he responded to the future that God had for him. And today, his influence is beyond compare. Because today, in 2017, in the last Sunday of June, 
we are being inspired by a man who allowed God to use his life. And you will never know, my church family, the magnitude of the influence that God has placed in your world and on you. And let me just say this. Jeremiah had some excuses of why he could not do what God was calling him to do. God answered every one of those excuses. But let me just tell you this. God knew Jeremiah had excuses even before God called Jeremiah. And he still called him. And I'm telling you today, God knows you have excuses, but he's still calling you. How great is our God? But here's what we're going to have to do. We have to do the natural and we have to lay aside our excuses. There's not one excuse that you have that God doesn't have an answer to. And we have to put our excuses aside and stop limiting God today by making excuses and take a step towards his great plan and his purpose for our lives. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 